the word of the Lord. But I'm so thankful that God gives to us something that we can glean from. God always gives us something that will sustain us. Aren't you glad God gives us the things that will keep us day by day? Day by day, God gives us just what we need. So when we come to the house of God, as I said, it's time to shake off the troubles of the day. It's time to get rid of the problems. It's time to lay everything on an altar and say, God, I've just come to give you some praise. And Lord, in the midst of this praise, God, would you feed me a little something? I believe he will, and we've come tonight for that very thing. Could it get you to stand with me tonight for the reading of the word of the Lord? Just uh, two scripture verses tonight to read while you're standing. Found in the beginnings, Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. There are two verses beginning at verse 6 and 7. Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. And we're going to read in the word of the Lord. We'll give you a moment to get there. Thank you for everyone that has come tonight to be a part of this Bible study service. I pray the word of God is an upliftance to you as it has been already to me, and I'm thankful for the word of the Lord. Genesis 3, beginning at 6, and we're going to read verse 7 as well. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Would you pray with me tonight? Lord Jesus, tonight, once again, it is our privilege and great honor as we come before your throne. I ask God tonight our hearts be open to your word and God that your hand would rest upon our every mind. I pray for a clarity of mind, Lord, to minister your word to your praise. God, to edify, to strengthen, and Lord, to somehow encourage, God, each and every heart that is gathered here tonight. God, those will be watching by way of Facebook. Speak, God, to the heart tonight. I pray, God, feed your sheep and strengthen the heart of the brethren. Let all honor be yours. All glory, God, it is yours. We'll praise you for it. We thank you tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to talk about tonight with a theme thought in this Bible study, life's turning points. Life's turning points. Most certainly tonight in this passage of Scripture we have read, this was a major turning point in the life of the first man and the first woman because God had said to the man, he said, do not eat of this tree. The day you eat of this tree, thou shalt surely die. He didn't say you might. He didn't say it's a possibility. You're going to die. If you eat of this tree that I've commanded you, don't eat from it. If you do, you're going to die. God was not joking. I want to say God does not joke. I don't read in his word where God is joking really anywhere. We make jokes at times, don't we? We kind of make some slights every now and then. But God is not joking when it comes to his word. So it reminds me the seriousness of the word of God that when I hear and you hear, we hear his word that we must take it not slightly, but we take it to the heart. God said, the day you eat of this tree, you're going to die. 
Well, of course, we know the period of time, and I've heard scholars and recently those who have unfolded many things uh, that I've never, I, I can't tell you myself, only what I've read and studied from other studies, but they say that Adam was approximately the age of Christ when he started his earthly ministry when he sinned. I can't prove that. But this man who went back through all this, and I'll just tell you, this is what I've heard. And I find it interesting that there are parallels all through the Scripture, don't you? We read about sevens and forties, and we read about twelves, and, and there are many things God has parallels in the Scriptures. There's a lot I don't understand. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I've got it all figured out and that I have every answer. I do not. But what I do know, I know the Word of God is true. And I know when he says something, he expects us to not only take here, but to take heed and apply it to our lives. But Adam and Eve, it was during this time, Adam was not present. Eve was by herself, apparently, at the moment. And the serpent, who was filled with the devil, the devil entered into the serpent, came and slithered. Well, he wasn't slithered yet. Well, I understand. He was actually on two legs. Isn't that amazing? They actually walked. That's another story for another time. But the serpent came. It was more subtle than any creature. Same always picks something to catch the eye. He wants to get your eye. He wants to get your eye and get you sidetracked, or he wants to get you looking at something that you shouldn't look at. And so that's exactly what the serpent was going to do when filled with Satan, and Satan began to ask questions. That's how he does. He just kind of subtly, Sister Wilson just kind of comes on in, smooth talks. Anybody ever heard a smooth talker before? <laughs> you probably heard some of them smooth talking salesmen. You need this product because you can't live without it. I don't know how you survived this far. And they'll go on and on and tell you why you need this. Satan's like that. He's a smooth talker. And so he is trying to sell what God said, thou shalt not. Satan simply says, well, come on now. God may have been mistaken here. Surely you're, you're not going to surely die if you eat this. God said, thou shalt surely die. Satan adds the one word. Eve begins to listen. The danger is when you begin to listen to the devil. He's going to come to you and I. Those voices are going to come. You can't avoid that. It's going to happen. But you can keep from listening very long. When you recognize where that voice is coming from, don't entertain it. It's time to send him down the road where he belongs. You're supposed to trample over him. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've got the blood of Christ upon you, my friend, you do not have to listen to that mess. Send him on his way. Unfortunately, she listened. And while listening, he calls her to begin to look on something that she should not have. Doesn't that the way the devil, he, that's the way he works. He wants to get your eyes on things. And so she began to look. She began to desire. And then when he added, oh, you're going to be wise when you eat this. I didn't know I wasn't, but that sounds good. Okay. And she began to listen to every word he said. He says only enough truth to lure you in. But he doesn't tell you all the baggage that's carried with it. She took of the fruit after looking upon it. As we've read, it was good to eat. The turning point came, church. 
when she took that bite, and then she presented to her husband, and when he took the bite, that turning point came. It broke the fellowship they had had, a perfect peace and a garden of peace of paradise. And because of disobedience, they were thrust out of the garden, and then eventually they would die. Adam would live approximately another 900 years. That's a long time. 930 years he lived, according to the Scripture, and Adam died, just like God said he would. They died. That was a turning point in their lives. And there are many turning points we're going to speak of tonight. Well, not many, a few. But I want to relate them because we also have turning points, church. And we need to take lesson from those that we read about, lest we find ourselves in the same situation and we fail and we fall short as some has before us. Those are there for our examples as the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11. But we also read about another type of a turning point there, and I'd like to go to Genesis chapter number 6. There are two verses tonight. 7 and 8. Here's another turning point because we read here, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. How evil had man become that God was so disgusted. He said, I am going to destroy this creation. I have created. I'm going to destroy it. But the turning point came for one man and his family and a turning point for the rest of the world when it says in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I believe we can relate this church for our day and time. Remember what Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah? Why did he make such a reference? Because the time came when God had had enough. And he saw who was righteous, and he saw who was unrighteous. And God will, he, as he did then, make a separation. He will today, when the time comes, make a separation once again. When he comes for his bride, the church, he is going to make a separation. He is going to divide the godly from the ungodly. He is going to divide the obedient from the disobedient. He is going to divide the rebellious from the faithful. That's what God's going to do. And so we read how that Noah found grace and his grace become judgment for the rest of the world. We know what happens. The flood, the annihilation of the world, all flesh died with the exception of those in the shelter of the ark that God had given dimensions for that this man in obedience, he built. See, there's obedience involved in this. And if we're going to be saved, we must learn the obedience in this word right here. It's not what Brother Raines thinks. It's not what so-and-so thinks. It's what that word of God says. It's his word that's going to determine our destiny through our obedience to this word. Go with me tonight. I want to go now to Genesis 13, verse number 9. Here we find another one of life's turning points 
For here we read in Genesis 13, beginning in verse 9 through 12, where it says, This question by the patriarch is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up, I want you to catch this, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. Then it was well watered everywhere before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Here was one of life's great turning points for Lot. And I want to make an emphasis here. I want to elaborate the dangers of our eyes getting on the world. When your eyes and our eyes get focused upon the glitters of the world, when we begin to see the prosperity of the wicked, David said his feet almost slipped when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. We've got to be so careful, church. We may not have our wants all the time, but God will supply your needs. Don't forget God is the supplier of your needs and my needs. And if we'll just thank him for the necessities, I believe God many times will then begin to bless us with even some of those wants. As long as it's not going to be to our hurt. And then I pray, God, you just don't listen to us. Because he knows what's best for us. We can hear a testimony of many who said, I wish I would not have asked for this. Sometimes we can get in ourselves a great mess because there's things we want that will only become to our hurt. We want that higher paying job only to find out it's going to keep us out of church. We want that new car only to find out it's nothing but trouble. breaks down all the time. We want this and we want that, and many times it becomes our own hurt. That is why it's always have God before us. God, if it be your will, I would like to have this or do that. God, if this would be for my good and your glory, Lord, this is what I would like to be. I believe this is how we need to when we seek God and we begin to present ourselves to him. God, if this is going to be for your glory, if this will be for my good, if this will be a blessing and not a curse, God, let it be so. I believe that's a wise way to pray. We don't find Lot doing that. What did he do, church? He just looked. It looked good to the eye. Remember, what always looks good to the eye is not always good. Remember that. The word of God will always direct us if we will allow it to. Many a times our will is pushed beyond his will. Many a times God said, that's not my will, but if you want it, go ahead. I'll just sit back and watch. What a dangerous thing to do. What a stubborn, rebellious thing to do. God help us tonight. And I stand here before you, church, and I'm telling you, this is just how I feel. God, I want you to go before me in whatever it is. I've made plenty of, anybody ever made mistakes in here? Anybody ever done something you wish you wouldn't have done? 
Have you ever went somewhere? Oh, I wish I wouldn't even have went there. You know, speaking of which, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was saying that his son was wanting to go over to the batting cages, and that's where that shooting was. He would have been right there where that shooting had taken place. I'm telling you something. God looks out for us. God looks out for us. If we would just trust him, ask his will, many a times there's things I want to do. I want to go fishing. Oh, man, I got to do this. I, I want to do this. No, I I've got to do that right there. I believe sometimes God will put things there for our good. We can't see it. But sometimes say, oh, I'll do that later. I'm going fishing. I remember several years ago, one of those times, Brother Willis, I went fishing. <laughs> I should have been cutting grass or something else probably. I got out there and I, I went by myself most of the time. You know, when you're young, you, you feel like you're invincible. Or, you know, you, you're not afraid of nothing. I was in my early 20s. I went to the river. I thought I've fished here many times. There's no big deal. I'm way down the river, and all of a sudden, I am up to my waist in mud. I mean, it was like mud, quicksand, but it was like, it was just, I was in it. Brother Wilson, I was in water, I was like, here I was. So I was thinking my options. Pole in hand, I'm not losing that. What do I do? Dilemma. I prayed. <laughs> <laughs> After a few moments of struggling, I prayed. I'll be, I have to retrace that. I did struggle for a little bit. I thought, well, I got in this mess. I'll, I'll get out. And as I was moving, I felt myself going deeper. And I cannot tell you, I don't have the answer. But it was in one of those moments. It was in one of those moments of the turning point when prayer was made. And God helped us somehow. I still don't know how I got out of that mess. But he helped me get out. Point is, life is full of turning points, church. Life is full of turning points. We're all going to have turning points. In fact, in a week's time, you may have multiple turning points and not even see them. But the choices we make, unprayerful choices, can be to our hurt in just a few days, maybe just a few hours even down the road. And so for us tonight, it would do us well. It would do us well as we start our prayer each and every day. God, guide me in this day. Let my steps be ordered of you this day. Let my thoughts be established, Lord, on the good things of your holy word today. I believe this will enable us when turning points come. God will help us, and I, I say this a lot, in spite of ourselves. Help us make the right choice. Lot made the wrong choice, and we know what happened, church. It cost him and his family quite a bit. Quite a bit. The dangers of our eyes being on the world. Life's turning points, Genesis 22, verse number 10, 11, and 12. Here was the greatest test getting ready to be passed, but the man of God the friend of God, the man of faith. He went in obedience to do something that many of us probably could not do. I'll be honest with you. 
We read in verse 10, And Abram stretched, Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son, because God said, Take thy son, thy only son, take him to this mount, take him where I'm going to tell you, and there offer him to me. He took the knife in hand, and he was ready to draw back. And verse 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know, Abraham did not have this verse we're getting ready to read, but we've got it tonight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we know it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean on to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We've got this word to hold on to. Abraham didn't have that, but he believed God just the same. Church, tonight we've got everything we need if we'll just hold on to it. We'll apply it, and we'll live it the best we can. God has given us the answer to life's turning points if we'll only apply it. For you and I tonight, it is all about the same. It is trusting and believing. Tonight, it's about trusting and believing our God. It's about trusting his word and holding to it by faith, knowing that God who makes the promise is faithful. He cannot and will not lie. God is faithful who promises to you and I. Life's turning points, we find a great one here in the book of Judges, chapter number 16. Verse 17, we read about a man who was exceptional above all men. Never another one like him that was like this one here. We read where that he told her all his heart. What a danger. What a danger. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. I want to say something right here. Your personal walk with God, your dedication, your closeness with God, that's not something for you to just throw out there to everybody. Because I read where the Bible talks about when you cast your pearl before swine, what happens? They trample you. You get trampled on. There's some things you need to keep between you and God. There's some things you just need to keep close to God, just you and him. No wonder the writer said, tell it to Jesus alone. Have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. But we read the danger. He said he told her all of his heart. He said, there have no razor come from my head, for I've been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak like any other man. Delilah had tried to find out his secret. Brother Wills, he kept fibbing to her. Tie me with green rope. Oh, man, that green rope will get me every time. Samson, the Philistines, going to goes out there and take care of business. I'll put, I, I know, I know, yeah, well, try a new rope this time. New rope. Same thing. Goes out there and takes care of business. Well, you know, Delilah, now, I, I know, I've, I know, I've been, I'll, I'll tell you, you see these, these long locks of mine? If you'll just weave them in that, that, that uh, weaver's uh, 
beam there, you know, if you'll do that, well, my goodness, I'll be bound and stuck. No doubt she was thinking, well, that's a pretty heavy thing, you know, and man on the hair of your head. Okay, so she gets him asleep, weaves his hair in there. What happens? Samson, the Philistines are on you. Man, he jumps up, that, just dragging that thing behind him, takes care of business. Well, she's been lied to three times. You know, there's a danger when you play with fire. My grandpa said one of his favorite lines was, you play with fire, you get burnt. Mm-hmm. And he said, Brother Joel, you remember this one? You make waves, you get splashed. <laughs> he had a lot of proverbs. But the most important one is that we realize when you play with danger, you're risking your life. Many of you have heard a dangerous game involving a, a revolver and one bullet called Russian roulette. And there are those that have gambled their lives playing that game. And if you play the game long enough, it'll be your last time, one time. Samson had played Russian roulette way too many times. My friend, when you've got that bull in the chamber and you're turning that barrel, you don't know when you pull that hammer back if that shell has went into that chamber. And when you pull that trigger, it's the last time. Samson had got away with it three times, church, but there became a turning point when he told her his heart. There's some things you keep close between you and God. This world's not your friend. Remember that. The world will deceive you, eat you up, chew you alive, and spit you out and not think nothing about it. Because you and I have been bought with a price and Satan wants to destroy you. There's no one of us in here tonight that's exempt from this. The only way you're going to survive is if you stay in the hand of God. You must stay in God's hand. It was his life's turning point, and we know what happened, church. He woke up, and his words, I'll just shake myself like I've done every time. I'll go out there like I've done the first few times. I'll go like there I've done every other time. Not realizing that God's spirit had departed from him. Miserably, his eyes cruelly were punched out, and he become a slave. Life's turning points. Life's turning points. First John chapter 2, verse number 15. John tells us well here, for we can apply this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's another we can tie into this in John 13, 26, and 27, and his name was Judas. Verse 26 of John 13, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. You see, it was a life's turning point for Judas. It was a life's turning point for Judas. Satan entered into him, then said Jesus unto him, 
that thou doest do quickly. Church, tonight, we can take the words of the Apostle Paul, his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil. For while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Judas loved the money. He loved the money. And it would cost him. It would cost him. Both Samson and Judas show us the dangers of embracing the wrong things. They both show us the dangers of embracing the wrong things. Let me talk about now another one of life's turning points, Matthew 15, 25 through 28. Here we read about a woman from Canaan. We know the story well. We know what takes place, but let's share for a moment tonight, beginning of verse 20. Actually, I want to read verse 25, yes, and through 28. Verse 25, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread, cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. See, this woman who did not deserve to be in the presence, she should not have even asked because Jesus, first he ignored her altogether. The disciples said, let's get her out of here. Jesus ignored her. But the turning point, church, is I want to emphasize tonight, and this is something we all must remember this important thing. Someone who was not welcome done something that began to turn it all around. The turning point was she worshipped him. The turning point was she worshipped him. Now, it didn't happen right away because even then, that's when he said, he called her a dog. He said, it's not me to give the children's meat to dogs. But you notice something about worship, you're not going to be offended. If you're a worshiper, you're going to get over it. People that don't worship are the ones that have problems getting over their problems. Because they can only dwell on themselves instead of giving the glory to God. If I dwelled on my problems, Brother Willis, I would have fell a long time ago. I would not be standing before you right now, but I've had to learn to push aside. We must learn to push aside those things that hinder, that hurt, that seem to be a harm to you. Why don't you quit crying and start praising? Why don't you start praising? That's what she did. She was not even worthy to be in his presence, but she worshipped him, and that turned it all around. And then her answer about being called a dog yet, well, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs. We see that every day around our house. Here's Zorro. <laughs> it's the word. It's the word. And he said, oh, woman, your faith is great. It's going to be all right. See what happens when you worship and you don't lose faith? That's the key, church. The turning point, always be a worshiper and never lose faith. Never lose faith. Life's turning point, we're getting close. Acts 2, 
1 through 4, and then drop down to verse 41. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. Life's turning points. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Okay, they were getting it together. They had got together in one place. But it didn't just say they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place in one accord. That's what it takes to get the answer from heaven. It's not enough we're physically together. We've got to become in one accord. Illustration for us here. And in the one place, in the one accord, it was there. We read in verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. The turning point was, first of all, they were in obedience doing what Jesus said. Go to Jerusalem and tarry. There you're going to receive power. Acts 1 and 8, as he had quoted to them, and you shall receive power and be witness to me. Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive power. But it began at that turning point of their obedience and their coming together, unified with the same goal. Church, we've got to become unified if we want revival. We've got to become unified if we want a move of God. We've got to become unified if we want to see the miracle-working hand of the Almighty God. And church, I'm telling you something tonight. I want to see those things. I believe God desires in this last hour revival for every church assembly. I believe in every city, in every state, in every nation of the world. I believe God desires. He desires revival. But life's turning points are so vital. And we all have a part in the turning point. Verse number 41, Sister Cheryl, pull up for us here. Turning point. Then they that gladly received his word were what? They were glad when they heard it and received it and then... What followed the turning point? They were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. See what happens, church, when we just get together and say, God, I don't know what you want, but I want it. God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to seek you and trust in you. Lord, whatever I need to do. The promises will follow the obedient always. Always remember that, church. The promises will follow the obedient. If we learn obedience, his promises will follow. One last verse. I'm closing. Life's turning points. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 52. This is what I'm looking forward to right here. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, 
For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Oh, that's going to be life's turning point. We're going to get out of this old shell. We're going to get out of this old body of pain, of sorrow, and hurt. We're going to be given a new body, like unto his glorious body. Oh, church, it's something to be excited about. There is a turning point that's getting ready to take place. Jesus Christ is about ready to return and take his awaiting bride. I want to be ready more than anything. That is why we've got to be faithful. We've got to be true. We've got to be obedient and love one another. The key to success is obedience, perseverance, submission, and love. If you can put them together, you're not going to be lacking anything. We lack because we fail to give in one of these areas. And it only takes one. And God forbid that we have more than one. What's the answer, Brother Raines? The answer is... Learn to set aside self and say, God, Jesus gave us the example. Not my will, thy will be done. Lord, I need your help. Church, I need God's help in these things. I, I don't know about you, but I need and I ask for his help in these things every day. I need him. Because this guy is too imperfect on his own. I need a higher hand. I need a greater power. I need his anointing. I need his love. It takes God's love. It takes God's love, church, because mine and yours is not good enough. I want to say that again. Your love and my love, it's not good enough. We need God's love abiding within us. And when God's love begins to abide within us, it's not easy to align to his word. It's the lack of love that calls you not to align up. You can say you love all you want to, but Jesus tells us pretty straight, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love him, it's going to show. Word, action, and deed. We're not perfect people. We're in an imperfect world. We just need the perfect God to help us every day. That's why prayer is essential. That's why Paul said it to us. He died daily, so must we. Church, tonight, it's all about life's turning points. You're going to make choices and decisions I only encourage you, make sure Jesus is brought in the equation. Make sure he is the one. You say, God, I want your help and direction here. Is this what you would have us to do? And I believe you're on the right track then. God will help us, church. He will help us if we'll seek him and put him first. Would you pray with me tonight?